Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Join with me, if you would, in a word of prayer as we uh, connect our hearts together in Christ. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I praise You and thank You for uh, the great blessings of Your Holy Word. And Lord, I pray that You would lead us to understand and know Your Word and to be uh, led by Your Spirit to uh, not only to hear and to understand with our minds, but to obey with our hearts that we might live out according to Your desire and Your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn me once again, turn with me once again to the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We looked uh, uh, at the book of Ephesians at chapter 1 and we saw God's plan. We understand God's plan and what God's plan is for us. We understand that God chose us at the beginning of time before time ever began in eternity past. He, God selected us and chose us, predestined us to, to have a relationship with Him. And uh, then uh, in the present we see that God is redeeming us and and is uh, changing our lives and transforming us into the people that God intended for us to be. And then remember, uh, we discussed and talked about God's inheritance for us, that uh, we would be a part of the body of Christ. And we have talked at length about what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ. And last week we looked at chapter 2 and we saw uh, what it meant to actually uh, become a part of the body of Christ. And we saw... And that great and, and tremendous information about how God brought us into the family of God, uh, brought us into the body of Christ by uh, God's grace, about, by His forgiveness, by His love towards us, and allowing us to, to uh, through, uh, by grace, through faith, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast, but rather uh, that we have come and are a part of the body of Christ through His grace uh, in our lives. And so we're looking today at verse 11 and 12. Uh, really, this section of Scripture uh, begins at verse 11 and goes all the way through the end of the chapter, uh, but we're going to deal primarily in, with verses 11 and 12 today. And so... Look with me, if uh, if you will, at those uh, couple of verses. And it says uh, in verse 11, Wherefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made uh, both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make to himself 
of the twain one new man so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which were nigh for though uh, for through him excuse me for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the father now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of god and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto the holy temple of the lord in whom ye are also, uh, are, are, ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And so what uh, Paul is talking about today is about the body of Christ. And he's, he's tackling a, an issue that <coughs> is very important in his time and it is still very important to this day. Uh, in fact, if you were with us this morning for Sunday school and you were uh, studying with us in uh, the primary book that we use, uh, you talked about unity in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And unity was something that Paul had a great time uh, battling against and, and a great difficulty in helping the church understand the need for unity within the body of Christ, the need for unity amongst the believers, not just simply uh, in terms of, uh, of this particular local body, but the body of Christ as a whole. And what uh, would happen is, is that Paul would go throughout the whole uh, region of uh, Asia and he would preach the gospel and he would share the gospel in all these different places like Corinth and Ephesus and Galatia and uh, Thessalonica and other places and he would share with them the great news of God's love and he would share with them the message of Jesus Christ and he would preach primarily to people who were uh, Gentiles uh, and uh, he would also preach to those who were uh, uh, of the Jewish persuasion as well and and he would help them to organize churches and help them to organize uh, local bodies of Christ that they would come together and grow in Christ and help them to in their Christian walk and uh, the problem was is that at times Paul would have uh, people that would follow after him right behind him as he would go through uh, these different communities preaching the gospel and he would have uh, these individuals come behind him and preach another gospel. They would preach uh, another aspect of what uh, they believed to be true and they would destroy all the work that Paul was trying to accomplish. You see, they there was a group of people known as Judaizers and they were people that uh, believed that uh, you had to uh, uh, in order to come to Christ that you had to first become Jewish you had to convert to Judaism in order to then be able to accept Jesus Christ and uh, you even still have some people to this day that, that are that way they believe that you uh, have to uh, accept the standards and traditions of the Jewish faith in order to uh, then become a, uh, a Christian afterwards and this is something that Paul was uh, deeply against and, and Paul was striving to help them to understand that 
we are all one body unto Christ and that it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are made one body, not uh, because of something that we do uh, externally, but because of something that uh, Christ has done within us internally. Uh, and let's look at verse 11 and 12 as we focus in on the portion that we're going to talk about today. Wherefore, remember that ye being at one time uh, past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So what Paul is saying is, remember that at one time you were Gentiles, you were outcasts, you were set apart, set aside, uh, and you were not allowed into the fellowship. What is Paul talking about here? Well, first of all, in order to understand that, we have to understand fully what, uh, why they were uh, set aside, why they were separate, why they were cast aside. Uh, if you recall and remember, uh, at one time, uh, God came to uh, Abraham and said, I'm going to uh, create a, a nation out of your descendants. I'm going to, I have selected you and you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. You're going to worship me and, and uh, I'm going to care for you and take care of you. This is back in Genesis and uh, God is telling Abraham that he's going to be a part, uh, set apart, uh, set aside a nation unto him. And what happened was is that God made a covenant with Abraham. And is the uh, and is the Abrahamic covenant in which uh, uh, God said, "I want you and your descendants to be in this world, but I want you to be so separate, so different, so distinct from the rest of the world in the way that you do things, in the way that you worship, in the way that you live your life." that it accomplishes two things. First of all, uh, it's, uh, it's going to separate you from other peoples and other nations so that they look at you and they say, uh, what is it about those people over there? What is it that is uh, that makes them so different? They do things so differently and they do things so uh, uh, strangely. They uh, worship this way and they, uh, they go and they burn sacrifices and do all that kind of stuff like other people, but they live their lives differently and the purpose of that was is to have uh, built into their life their uh, their uh, traditions a way in which they would be set aside from the rest of the world in which people would say you know those people are different those people are are, are strange what is it about their God what who is it that they worship why is it they worship that way why is it that they do those things and it set aside the people of Israel in such a distinct way that uh, that God was seen as different from all other gods God didn't want the people of Israel just merely to be a nation that had a different God. Uh, he did not want uh, people of this world to see the Israelites as just worshiping one God out of many other gods throughout the world. He wanted people to understand and he wanted the world to understand that he was the one true God, the one only God, and there is no other God but him. He wanted the world to understand that Israel was different and distinct. And so he created a, a system for the Israelites. Now remember, the Israelites were coming out of 
of 400 years of being in slavery. They were coming out of Egypt and uh, being uh, living for 400 years in a nation, in a land in Egypt where they had many gods and they worshipped all kinds of gods. And uh, they, they had a God for this and a God for that and a God that did this and a God that does that. And Israel was coming out of that situation in which they had generation after generation after generation that was not only exposed to the many gods of the Egyptians, but they had no concept, no understanding of of the one true God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they worship. And so God said, I want you to, uh, Moses, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh that I'm calling my people out into the wilderness to worship me. And I, uh, if you recall from your study of that particular passage of Scripture in, uh, in uh, the, uh, the end of Genesis where and the beginning of Exodus where uh, God is about to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, uh, uh, Pharaoh says, well, okay, just the men go out there. Uh, y'all can go out there and, and worship, but you can't go very far and you and you got to come right back. And uh, Moses said, no, we can't because we don't know how uh, God is going to tell us to worship. We don't know what it is that God is going to want us to do. He said, we've got to take all of our livestock. We've got to take everything that we own, possess. We've got to take uh, all of our men and women uh, and children. Everybody needs to go out there into the wilderness. We don't know how long we're going to be. And if you go into uh, the book of Exodus and into the book of Leviticus, you'll read all the different things that God did and asked for the children of Israel to do in order to prepare a place in which He would be able to come and to meet with the people of Israel in uh, what would eventually be known as the tabernacle. Uh, at the begin at the uh, end of Exodus and the beginning of Leviticus, it was called the meeting house. It was a place in which they came together to meet uh, the tent of meeting it was the place in which god was going to come and to uh, dwell in that tent of meeting and meet with the people of israel and discuss uh, their life and where he was sending them and taking them and how he was fulfilling his promise in their life of a of a new nation and they had to take all the things that they took out of Egypt. Remember uh, when uh, God liberated the people of Israel uh, out of Egypt, He said, I'm going to make all the Egyptians to... Uh, you're going to plunder the Egyptians uh, very similar to the way in which an army plunders a nation when they defeat them. God said, I'm going to cause all the Egyptians to just pour out all of the gold and all these earrings and, and bracelets and necklaces and all these things things and what did God do he told of Israel later okay you got to take out all your earrings all your nose rings all your bracelets and everything this is the gold that's going to be used in the construction of my tabernacle my place of 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 worship why because God did God doesn't need uh, gold and opulence in order to make things look nice what God was doing was saying this is a place that is holy and separate and distinct it is separate it is set apart and so uh, you are to worship me and understand that it is holy because I have come into this place and it's not holy because of the gold. It's not holy because of the uh, the purple linen and the and the fine uh, 
things that are used to construct the temple uh, or the tabernacle, but because of my presence here. And God did that in order to establish that He was different. He was not like any other God that, that had been worshipped on earth. The second uh, thing that, that God was seeking to accomplish was not just only to make people be aware that He was different and that He was not just simply some other God that was worshipped, but secondly, to, so that the people of Israel would be set apart and separate so that they would not intermingle with the rest of the nations. Now, was this some kind of Zionist thing that, that they were saying that they were, uh, that they were better than the rest of the world and all of that? Well, that's what it developed into eventually because they forgot what God's intended purpose was. God's intended purpose was not to separate the people of Israel so that they would be seen as better and, well, you're not a, you're not a Jew, you're not an Israelite, so you're not as good as us. No, God's intention was to separate them from the rest of the nations so that they wouldn't get into the worship of those other gods, so that they wouldn't get into the habit of, of absorbing all the religious beliefs of all those other nations, God's intention was to keep them separate and to keep them uh, pure and holy to the worship of God, not to make them out to be better than themselves. So what happened? Well, they forgot the, the significance of what was happening. By the time you go from uh, Moses where God explains what all of this means to the people of Israel and why they're doing it to the time of Jesus Christ and then to the time of Paul, what you see is, is a church uh, or a nation that is, is instead of saying uh, we're separate so that we're to worship God and God alone, but we're separate because we're better than you. We're separate because you're a dog and like a dog and we're better than you. Uh, there were Israelites that even looked at, uh, the, at the Gentiles and said they're not even human. That's what it meant to call them a dog, is saying, well, you're subhuman, we're better than you. And Paul is trying to help them to understand that they are, they were once these people that were considered to be uh, separate from the, uh, the Jews because they were not. He said, what does he say in verse 11? You were at one time, you were being Gentiles in the flesh, and you were called the uncircumcision by that which was called the circumcision in the flesh made at hand uh, by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He said, remember, church in Ephesus, at one time you were considered these outcasts, these, uh, these foreigners, these, uh, these people that were not good enough. He says, first of all, I want you to understand that there's a, a spirit of separation physically. You were separate. You were not part of the, uh, the Israelites. You were seen as people of an another country, even though you might live right next door. 
Let me tell you, let me give you an illustration on how uh, uh, separate the Israelites were from other people. At one time in the history of Israel, they were taken off into bondage and slavery. You recall uh, uh, the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were taken off to Babylon uh, as a part of the a result of disobedience to God. God said, I'm going to take my hand off of you and I'm going to allow other nations to come in here and to destroy Israel and to cart you off. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, the being to go, those were, uh, those were the names that you're familiar with. They had other names that were the Hebrew names before they were carted off. And, uh, but they were taken off into Babylon uh, because that's how things were done back then. They would spread out those who were conquered. They would take all the best of the people and take them to the foreign nation, the foreign land, and indoctrinate them into their th- way of thinking so that they would not uh, turn around and want to overtake uh, Babylon once again in order to get regain their home, home, homeland. They, they took them and interspersed them amongst the empire that they had created by uh, conquering other nations. And that's what happened to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were taken off to this other place. Well, in the time that they were taken off, there were some uh, Israelites that uh, they said, well, we're not going to be able to ever go back home. And they began to uh, fall in, uh, pray to the things that God warned them against. And they began to intermarry with uh, uh, the people that they were taken off to and and conquered by. Well, God allowed and restored Israel, allowed uh, much of Israel to come back. And there were those who were uh, descendants of those who intermingled with the other nation. Those were called Samaritans. You remember Jesus' encounter with the the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And uh, there was a region, uh, uh, like uh, what we consider a state, uh, uh, let's just say it's a, it's a whole region that was called Samaria. It was in the middle of northern Israel and southern Israel. And a person that was uh, a good Jewish person would go all the way out of the way out and walk all the way around Samaria and not, uh, and not allow themselves to go through Samaria. You know what their primary concern was? Well, I might get dirt on the bottom of my foot that is contaminated by those heathens, those Samaritans, and it might, I might track that dirt into my own home. And so unlike Jesus, He went through Samaria in order to witness to them and to tell them the good news. But good Jewish men and women, uh, they didn't go through Samaria. They went all the way around even though it would have been shorter just to go cut right through Samaria uh, going from the south to the north or north to the south. And so deep was their hatred that they would go all the way around Samaria to keep even the dirt from getting on their feet. And so here's, uh, here's Paul and he's saying, listen, you were at once despised. You were without a nation. He says, you need to remember you're just like uh, the Israelites. At one time you were without uh, uh, a nation. You didn't have a nation. You weren't part of God's plan. Uh, and he says, you need to remember that. You remember in times past that you were called uncircumcision. What's all that about? Now, if you remember when Abraham was called out by God 
uh, to separate himself from other nations. He said, I want you to be, uh, uh, to show a sign of your covenant. I want you to, to circumcise all the males within your, uh, within your family. Uh, and as, as each new child is born, to circumcise that child on the eighth day. He says, uh, so I, all the men that were in Abraham's uh, life at the time in which he was called out by God uh, made this external uh, sign of that covenant of uh, the circumcision. It was a way of, of uh, making a blood covenant within their own body, this circumcision. And throughout history after that, uh, anyone that was outside of Israel was see, uh, seen as filthy and uh, degenerate because they were uncircumcised. They were called uncircumcised. And so uh, Paul is sit- sitting here reminding themselves, look, he says, not only you, were you outside of the family of God, uh, outside of the called ones because of the fact that you were not a part of the people of Israel because you weren't born into the nation of Israel, but you were also outside because you were not part of the covenant. You were not circumcised. You were not circumcised in the flesh. And he says, but you need to understand this was a, uh, this circumcision, he begins to break all this down. He says, you need to understand, uh, uh, church, he says that this circumcision was made of hands. This was done uh, by the uh, thing of the flesh. He says, but now you're a part of Christ and that you are uh, no longer strangers because you were uh, uh, outside of the great promise, but you have a hope that is found in Jesus Christ. You have a hope that is found in Christ. He says you were not only uh, outside of of the faith because of of being physically born into uh, uh, a Gentile uh, nation, a Gentile world, not being born of Israel, uh, but you were also spiritually outside and and he points all this out to help them to understand that they've been changed they've been transformed they have been renewed they have a new hope that is found in Jesus Christ they have a new hope and the promise that is found they have uh, a new life because they are in God he says in verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus you have uh, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He says, now you are no longer far off. You are a part of the nation. Now you are no longer uh, outside of of the nation of God, uh, the family of God, but you are now a part of Christ because you have been changed, not by external means of being... uh, Now, you remember these Judaizers wanted everybody to go around and circumcise themselves. They were Gentiles so that they would be made a part of Israel. Well, what makes what's so different about circumcision that it would all of a sudden magically make you a part of Israel? Paul is saying, look, that's things done with the hand. He says, I'm telling you that you were made a part of God's uh, body of Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ, something that is done uh, not physically but spiritually. 
He says you are no longer outside. You're no longer cast out. You're not in need of simply doing something uh, with hands, uh, the circumcision. He says because Christ has shed His blood for you to be a part. He says, For He is our peace who hath made us both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So there's no longer this division. He says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances for uh, to make to himself of twain one new man, so making peace. He says, so listen, you need to understand that no longer are you separate from God because of all of these external things that the world has set up. He says, but now you're made one. Now, how, how is this relevant for us today as we wrap this all up and, and our look at this today? Well, just as Israel thought of themselves, uh, they forgot the significance of what these things that were, they were doing in order to, uh, to worship God. They forgot the significance of, where, uh, of what was going on. Listen, they forgot, in all of this, they forgot that it wasn't the, the practices that they were doing in order to worship God. It was the very presence of God that made them different. It was God's presence in the midst of Israel and their following God that made them different. Not because they uh, swung an incense uh, uh, thing full of, of, of spices. It wasn't because they burned things on the altar. It wasn't because they were, uh, they were dressing with a certain way with the ephod and, and all these things. It wasn't because they had a high priest. It was because of the presence of God that made them different. Mm-hmm. And they were different and distinct because they were following after God. And what makes us different and distinct today in the church is not the fact that we come to a, a place and sit in padded pews and we have an aisle down the middle and that we have an organ on one side and a piano on the other or, or no organ and, and a piano on one side and guitars or whatever. What makes us distinct is, is that we worship and we celebrate the presence of God in our life. And what makes us distinct is, is God's presence, not the fact that we wear a suit and a tie or that we come to church uh, at 11 o'clock on Sunday or that we are, are people that, that have our hair cut a certain way. But what makes us distinct is that we have the presence of God in our life. And if you, take, if you forget that and if you forget your relationship with God... And if you take God out of the equation, all we're doing is going through the motions and all we're doing is going through all these empty gestures and for what? Nothing. And just as Israel was running into the risk of of not being a channel of blessings because that was their call. Go back to Genesis and you'll understand that. And when God's relationship to Abraham was, He says, I'm going to make you a distinct nation. Why? To bless the world. His purpose was to set aside Abraham not because he looked cute or that he liked the way his hair parted or he liked the way that his family uh, came together in a certain way, but so that the world would be blessed through him. What is he talking about? Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? Salvation. 
What is he talking about? A way of bridging the gap between the world and God to get away from uh, the influence of sin and to bring people back in a right relationship with Him. But Israel lost it. Israel lost the understanding of what it meant to be a blessing. They forgot about what it was. They were no longer a channel of blessing. What did God do? He said, uh, even Jesus taught about it. He said, hey, uh, what is the vine dresser to do if, if he takes care of the vines and they don't produce fruit? What did he say? Well, the vine dresser will go out there and cut off all those branches that aren't producing so that the ones that can, what? Produce more fruit. What was he talking about there? All those Jewish people that that God had uh, brought the plan of salvation, had brought the the message of God uh, through Jesus Christ to make them understand and and be aware that He was the Messiah, the one that they'd been waiting for all along. When they rejected Him, He said, Hey, guess what? When you reject Me, God's just going to come in, cut you out, and what? Graft in new vines. What's the new vine? The Gentiles. What's Paul's ministry been? To? Not to the Jews. Jesus tried that. And they rejected Him. He said His ministry was to the Gentiles to bring in those new uh, members of the family of God so that they would then be, what? The channel of blessing to others. What did uh, Jesus say? He said, said, I'm the cornerstone that has been rejected by the the maker, the mason. He says, instead of being the cornerstone, He said, I was a stumbling block. So God uh, said, okay, if y'all aren't going to accept my Messiah the way I brought Him to you, then I'll choose another channel of blessing. He grafted in the Gentiles so that they would be a blessing. Listen, church, God is using the church to be a channel of blessing to the world. But if God isn't able to use us, we can't sit here high and mighty and think that we're the only way. God will find another way to bless the nations of the world. He'll find another way to share the gospel. Did you know that uh, for many generations, the United States was, was the place in which sent out missionaries to the rest of the world? And the rest of the world was blessed because missionaries from the United States went out into the world. You know what's happening now? It's the other way around, yeah. Those nations are sending missionaries back to the United States because we're less Christianized than the rest of the world. God is going to get His message out. God's going to um, share His blessing to the world. It's whether or not we're going to be a channel of blessings to the world or if we're going to be cut out of God's plan. Paul's saying, listen, church, you need to understand God is working. God is doing things. He wants you to be a channel of blessing to the world. He wants you to be the body of Christ. He wants you to be out there being effective to share the gospel to the world. We've got to be the body of Christ. We've got to have unity and not fighting amongst ourselves about traditions and about things that we've made up that aren't biblical 
and, and God's plan for us. We need to be about serving God and reaching the lost, of telling others about Jesus Christ before we lose significance, before we lose purpose. And God's not, allow, uh, not able to use us as a channel of blessing into the world. So today, if you, uh, uh, you and I need to seriously pray about our relationship to God. Are we being a channel of blessing to the world? Are we being an example? Is our church an example to the rest of the world of how God can take someone? It doesn't matter what their hair color looks like or where their hair length is, is down their back or, or above the ears. It doesn't matter what they wear to church. It doesn't matter what background they have or where they live in town. Are we sharing the gospel with them as God intended? Or are we saying, no, you've got to do things this way. You've got to look this way. You've got to do these things externally before you can ever become a Christian. Sound familiar? Well, now it's not people making people becoming Jews, but it's making people becoming Christians before they can become Christians. You got to look the part before you can accept Jesus into your heart. Well, where's where's that in the gospel? Nowhere. We need to understand that we share the gospel with people regardless of their uh, nationality, their background, their uh, their how they look, how they dress, how they butter their bread, and allow God to change their lives and transform them, make them a part of the body of Christ. Because it's the blood of Christ that changes them, not our demands for them to be changed. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, help us to remember who we are and what our role is. Help us to remember the importance, the significance of Your call upon our life. Help us to be the church that You've called us to be. Help us to be the body of Christ that is effective in sharing the gospel in a world that is without Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.